The Landlord and Lawyer Podcast with Ben Beadle and Tessa Shepherdson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Landlord and Lawyer Podcast. He's Ben Beadle. He's the landlord. And she's Tessa Shepherdson. She's the lawyer. And today we are going to be talking to Sean Hooker, one of the Hooker brothers. So um, let's hear what he has to say for himself. Hello everybody and welcome to the podcast. Um, ben and I are delighted to have as our very special guest today, Sean Hooker, one of the dreaded Hooker brothers who, uh, who runs the uh, property redress scheme. So um, welcome, Sean. Hi. Hi there, Tessa. You're making me out to sound like, like, like the Peaky Blinders. You know, there <laughs> we go. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie and Sean, you know. This is my favourite brother, though, Tessa. <laughs> Yeah, we've had Eddie. We had Eddie before. So uh, now, now, we, now we've got you. So Thank um, my pleasure. So, uh, oh, and uh, I ought to say that my uh, my assistant, Tina, says hi. Hi to Tina. Yep. OK, so, um, Sean, um, perhaps if we start off just by talking a bit about you, if you can introduce yourself to people and tell them who you are and what you do. Hello everybody, uh, my name is Sean Hooker and I am Head of Redress of the Property Redress Scheme. So what do I do? I deal with complaints. I sort out people's problems and I deal with complaints. Now, how did I get into this mess, um, as, uh, as Laurel and Hardy would say? Uh, well, basically, and actually, literally today, it's 15 years since uh, the deposit scheme started and uh, the, uh, and I joined very, very shortly after the um, the start date, which was, was it April the 1st or was it today? I think it was today. I think it was today. Yeah, it was, was it the 6th? Yeah, it might be the 6th anyway. But, but anyway, it was, it was the beginning of April, to be honest, and in 2007. And I joined to form, uh, to set up the dispute resolution um, uh, department at my deposits, which was called something else at the time. I think it was very similar to what the organisation you were working for. I think we all chose TDS in oh, some yes, form of... Yeah. Uh, Tenancy Deposit Solutions, weren't you? Yeah, we were Tenancy Deposit Solutions. You were Tenancy, the dispute service. Yeah, yeah. And there was DPS. Anyway, cutting to the chase on that, uh, you know, from absolute scratch, uh, a, a dispute resolution uh, process was put in place to deal with these complaints that would have come in at the end of a tenancy when a deposit was being returned. Um, and I remember sitting in there with, and this is all before all these lovely little computer graphics that you can get for um, uh, for planning stuff there. I remember sitting uh, or, or sitting in an office with a big white wall and post-it notes, uh, what they call that stuff, blue tack and pieces of string, tracing out a, a, a complaint or dispute process, which you can now do all lovely on, on computer, but it, we did this and it was like a huge... Uh, a mural on our wall with uh, bits of uh, glue tack and, and string um, and we, we did have camera phones in those days so we were taking pictures of that to make sure that we were recording this process and putting together a dispute process Ben you'll remember this is not an easy um, um, thing to do however smooth and lovely it looks at the end product you've got to, to take into consideration that a dispute or a complaint will take a journey that 
you won't always suspect it to do. So it was quite a, a complex process. And for every one of these little blue tack um, um, uh, post-it notes, there had to be a correspondence or a letter that had to be put into the computer and issued out as and when people needed to have one of these template letters sent out. So it was a, it was a great, great fun. <clears throat> Fast forward on to 2014, the government uh, um, uh, came to us and said, well, we're thinking of bringing in redress for, uh, for, uh, for letting agents to be compulsory. Now, there was already uh, um, organisations out there doing it on a voluntary basis, but there was about, well, I would say, 25%, uh, maybe even more 30% of the agent market that didn't believe joining something on a voluntary basis wasn't necessarily a great idea, uh, uh, but uh, they were mandated to do so. And we set up the property redress scheme. We got a license from the government, which um, uh, uh, meant that we could uh, deliver this dispute resolution um, un under the auspices of the law, um, and uh, we've expanded now to uh, to sixteen thousand members. Which, given the fact that uh, people said to us, "Oh well, we've got it," we, you know, most people have joined the, the, the voluntary scheme. There's hardly anything out there. Shows that you know you do sometimes need a bit of teeth behind something mm. to make people do it. <laughs> Indeed. And I think, uh, Sean, you know, I hadn't realised that it was 15 years this year of, uh, of TDP until you until you said it. I suddenly feel horribly old. Um, but, you know, thinking back to those very early days uh, and the sort of formal adjudication process, I, you know, one of the things I always felt you guys did very well was particularly getting involved at the at the early stages to try and weedle out uh, disputes maybe talk to us a little bit about about the sort of early resolution stuff that you guys do well i, I think i think just you know in a bit of background and, and not to wander off the point tessa do bring me back if i do uh, but I've, I've sat in uh, in numerous now kind of um uh, seminars talking to fellow people in the dispute resolution process uh, and and actually it wasn't always that we we went down that path we 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 we, we kind of had this image uh, um in our heads that if you start to talk to people and to sort things out early, you know, it took a lot longer and you needed a lot more resources to do it. Well, what we found is, is actually it's the opposite. The earlier you get involved, the less work you actually end up doing. You know, so a lot of people are trying to force, uh, um, uh, you know, dispute resolution in down the electronic path, the ODR path, and basically get robots to do it and we've taken the opposite that actually if you pick up the phone usually within about five or ten minutes after the initial um, emotion anger or whatever people have in dispute resolution has dispersed you can then start to say well actually what about a solution and you what can you bring want? that solution to a far earlier mm. uh, stage and my team have been brilliant with it and they've embraced it a hundred percent um it's it's to be fair, it's not as widespread in the deposit side as it is on the um, uh, the redress side, because I think it's a little bit more mechanical on the on the uh, dispute, um, dispute resolution for deposits. Yeah. But it does also work, and it has been introduced, and it has it is starting to make a difference. Uh, you know, in terms of getting the the speed of the processes done and the satisfaction at the end of it. And indeed, I think. Sorry, Tessa. Go. I just think I suppose people get into entrenched positions, don't they? And and, and they, they they sort of see their own sort of siloed view of it and they, they don't have any sort of crossing over of ideas. And you, you have to sort of 
bring them together in that way, which in many, traditionally, the first time that happened was when they were at court for their hearing. Oh, no, absolutely. And absolutely. And I, th I think you put your finger on the point there that, we, we, uh, you know, the, the British legal systems are based on adversarial um, principles uh, of you uh, basically trying to persuade a judge that your position is the position uh, that he should, uh, 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 he or she should support. Whereas dispute resolution is about bringing people together and resolving disputes and resolving problems um it, it, you know that is mutually satisfactory uh to the uh you know to, the, to all the parties and it's not it doesn't always happen but but on the whole you do get foot nearer than if it was purely an adversarial and one walks away feeling that they've uh they've mm -hmm. lost them one walks away feeling that they've won you know so it, it, you know it's a different approach but it it's a very successful one especially in what we do so you started a mediation scheme a few years ago, didn't you? Um... Yes, I mean, the mediation story is still an ongoing story. It's one where I think we've still got some way to go, uh, but it's, but what we've started to do is very, very successful. And the evolution of it is quite simple. We started looking at the mediation as part of the property redress scheme, um, uh, a, a proposition uh, and we and we melded that into the, what we do in our early resolution ours is more i would say now facilitated negotiation than, than pure mediation but the principles of mediation are underpinning it we then moved into another little area of uh, of that we could probably touch on later on there which is basically the uh the government announced in the end of uh, um dispute um sorry of section 21 evictions and on all the working groups I've sat on there, if you're going to get rid of something that and, and, and uh, you know that is inverted commas no fault, you're going to have to have some dispute resolution process in that, be that the courts or be that pre uh, pre court. So we very much were advocates uh, and promoters of the principles of mediation for uh, the end of tenancy um, um, uh, disputes rather than them go through to a court process. And we were developing that in the background when something happened. I don't know if you remember COVID, <laughs> COVID and lockdown. Oh my God, yeah. And, and do, do you know what? I mean, someone's gonna have to write this down in a big book there, Ben, I'm looking at you when you're sitting in your French chateau uh, um, uh, a few years from now, uh, reminiscing on actually what that whole year and 18 months meant in the terms of legal, um, uh, the legal process of getting a property back. And if you look at that, there was lockdowns, there was uh, moratoriums, there was everything else there. And we felt that at this stage there, when they were asking for pre-action protocols to be put in place and, and various forms to be filled in to show that you've taken into consideration the needs of that, that mediation was perfectly suited for dealing with that sort of situation and getting things like payment plans in place and getting in um, uh, uh, resolutions that meant that, you know, it didn't have to go to court and possession could be granted or that arrears could be sorted out prior to that. So that's where we actually evolved most of the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the experience that we've had on the mediation. Uh, government picked up on this and spoke to us many times about it. We got mentioned in various leaflets as being signposted as one of the organisations that could do that. Um, TDS was another one. Um, uh, but the government then decided <clears throat> they had a spare two million quid knocking about. And they decided, well, why don't we run a pilot scheme 
uh, ourselves and they set up a pilot scheme which basically um, uh, they put together in about 10 minutes and said oh well actually as soon as you've walked through the door to court you'll be you'll be offered this magic mediation to stop your, your case going any further in the courts I spoke to the team that has been analyzing the results of it and it didn't work like that because basically if you are running on and then ended up in a court process it's far too late possibly for yeah. mediation then and therefore people were not taking up the offer and our mediation process was to start well, literally from day one, you know, um, you, you know, the advice now, and I know your guys are telling landlords who ring up in an advice line, okay, yeah, the law says you can't serve X or Y until X notice, uh, amount of rears in there. But as soon as you get your first mispayment, pick up that phone and talk to your tenant. Because you don't know if that's going to be a develop into a major problem. Uh, and sure, maybe maybe let's just talk about that um, the the actual pilot within the the, the court context because it was um, a great initiative mm-hmm. um, uh, in theory, um, but pretty poorly executed. Um, and I think that you uh, uh, like us share the view that the earlier you get involved in mediation, the better. And by the time it hits a court, uh, it's it's really it's really too late. But do you think that mediation has a role to play? In, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of reform in the sector at the moment, aren't we? Is, is, is this something that should slot in in the right place? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Ben. Uh, you know, mediation is such a powerful tool when it's implemented correctly and done and done systematically. You know, we've looked at the studies there and we were picking at about 70% of getting satisfactory uh, resolutions. Um, uh, you know, and it, okay, they weren't always kind of like, you know, uh, conforming to the position that either party wanted, you know, a landlord, of course, if they're in owed money, want all that money back, but we were coming to settlements that, that meant that the, the parties can move forward. Um, you, you know, and if you think about it realistically, you know, we all think about our businesses uh, or, or our personal finance is, is in, a, in a slightly different way than probably the reality is on it and what I mean by that is that you know when you're owed money you know you are prepared to do anything to get that money back in, in the first instance without actually realizing that you know sometimes a deal is a better option and that you have to look at the bigger picture and if you are um, uh, you know pursuing something through a court paying for solicitors and legal advice and other stuff there whilst it's all happening your property is sitting there vacant because you can't get into it you're not making money out of it and therefore you know you're cutting your nose off to spite your face and your tenant is also you know not being able to move on I, I, I very much you know say this that you know there are professional rogue tenants out there I think we've all come across them but most of them that get themselves in that mess really don't want to be in that mess. And the longer, you know, the legal process is involved in it, the longer they stay in that mire, the longer they, you know, they, the debt, the bigger the debt gets racked up and they can't see the solution out of it. And I mean, yours the- and mine, all, all of our friend Julie Ford, who is one of our, our top mediators, she also offers a service to help tenants to, uh, to, to, to find solutions to get out of those situations. So for example, there is 
1200 different grants that you can get from local authorities to help you out if you're vulnerable to help you know uh, um, alleviate or provide you with uh, uh, relief if you get yourself into financial difficulty um, most people don't know that because how would you even access that sort of stuff there so it is about information it is about talking and it is about bringing people together perhaps i could just mention there that um, i did some work with the wonderful julie ford and uh, we developed a kit together um, and I, I actually had no idea that there was so much grant aid available if you looked at it in the look for it in the right way and um, if anybody's interested it's called um, I think it's called the property arrears kit if you go to the landlord or shop you'll find it um, but there, there are a lot of things that can be done and the sooner you do that the better because you know if you are trying to find grant aid to cover the arrears you need to do that before the arrears get too big otherwise you'll never be able to cover it exactly and I think yeah one of the other points uh, uh, Sean that the thing I struggle with with the the sort of mediation pilot within the court setting is that it I felt that it didn't really point very much to solutions you know as you say there is actually a lot of help out there and there has been rent debt funds um, the reason I'm gonna uh, uh, jump off this uh, podcast onto another meeting is with the um, uh, Ministry of Justice uh, talking about the rent debt fund but even them I couldn't get them to say well when you send a letter to a tenant and you know it's about rent arrears surely you want to point to um, you know some sources where it might help them pay it off oh no I don't know that we want to do that well why the hell not why you know not? <laughs> why not why I'm just not an unreasonable request is it dear oh dear I right, didn't know that existed Yep, I mean, there, there has been a, a rent debt fund in England, um, a £65 million rent debt fund to cover COVID-related arrears, £10 million in, in Wales. Um, you know, we've been jumping up and down about it. This was a, a good win for us because we thought that, you know, this, this would be something that helped uh, renters that were uh, serious about sustaining their tenancy. Uh, and obviously, you know, the landlord would benefit, there would be direct payment in there, which mm. is what we asked for. But the reality is that that has not been utilised yet. You know, we know that there is a, a lot of arrears out there. So really, really frustrating not to sort of, you know, signpost to, to things that are going to help because, you know, I think that some landlords will think about um, mediation as a, you know, another step that I've got to go through, you know, another couple of weeks wasted or or, or whatever, when actually... I think I don't think that could be further from the truth. Uh, and with some of these other supports out there, you know, it may actually, you know, save the tenancy for the benefit of everyone. And why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I mean, there, there are lots of things that can be done. I mean, you can get, um, I mean, some of the work that Julie's done, you can you can get grant aid. Um, perhaps you can get a loan. You can get grants to cover the heating and, and other costs. Or sometimes she's arranged to move if it's if the, the accommodation is actually unsuitable for the tenant, you know, perhaps arrange for them to be moved somewhere else. Um, there, there are lots of things that you can do. It's just that people just think, oh, they haven't paid the rent. Right. I'm going to evict them. Uh, and I have to say that, you know, when I practiced as a solicitor doing eviction work, that tended to be my mindset as well. And um, I wish I'd known more um, then about the, than I do now. Yeah, very much a silo attitude, I think, in some of these things, isn't it? So, you, yeah. you know, you're talking in the MOJ, the Ministry of Defence, uh, not Defence, Justice, sorry. Um, I, you know, they're, they're thinking, oh, well, you know, with 
you know, we've only got a limited amount of money for this, you know, can't kind of could tell people there's a big fund of money, they might want to use it, you know. <laughs> and what they don't right. kind of understand is that, you know, down the line when that tenant has been, uh, uh, you know, knocking on the local authority's door, doorstep, so I've just been made homeless by my landlord, uh, you know, uh, the, the amount that is spent on, uh, you, you know, relief benefit, ben, you know, for mm. pretty poor accommodation, you know, it's a bigger cost to the society than, 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 than trying to intervene and giving smaller re- debt relief and loans and stuff in up the early doors. I mean, you, you know, you and, must and who's the bad the guy, Sean? And who's Sorry? the bad guy? And who's the bad guy when that happens? It, you know, it's it's the landlord, right? Oh yeah, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. You because know. you know, well, they didn't do anything to help, but actually, you know, I do think. That, I mean, a that's obviously nonsense, but. B, I do think if this stuff can come out much earlier in the process, and as you know, we were a big supporter of the pre-action protocol light uh, for the private rented sector, which, you know, set out to landlords some things that you might want to consider before you kind of press the nuclear option. Because if you do have a tenant that has genuinely fallen on hard times and is prepared to talk to you, well, that's, that's kind of exactly what you want because you can deal with that. But what you can't deal with is the tenant that puts their head in the sand that that leaves you with no option because you have no information other than to seek a possession order it's uh it's it's a bit bonkers yeah and we've just seen so many you know sad stories of uh you know just lovely trusting landlords that you know given the benefit of the doubt and 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 before they know yeah before they know it there are thousands you know, in 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 debt. You know, because it's not just they're losing the, the rental income, but there's, uh, you know, there's, there's damage to property that occurs. Um, you know, plus all the legal fees, and all of this is, you know, it, it just just racks up. Um, you know, and no, there's no winners in that situation. Plus the stress. Plus the stress of it. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, Paul Champolino, you've had uh, on the show before, and and and. You know, works for um, you know for us. Uh, you know, he's had that television show. Uh, you know, landlords, uh, nightmare tenants, landlords, whatever it's called on Channel Five. Uh, and you know, you can't help but feel for both sides in, in that equation. Yeah, I mean, I always feel that the best time to deal with a, a non-paying tenant is the day after you see from your bank account that one month's rent hasn't gone through. Yeah. You know, the next day you need to get onto it immediately. And that's the best chance you've got of sorting it. If you leave it three months, you know, it's going to be really hard. But um, have you got any, um, just to sort of illustrate, because there is a very negative attitude, I think, generally about mediation, because people like their day in court. Can you, can you give us some examples of the sort of success stories that you've had with mediation? Yes, I mean, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about arrears and, you know, that's probably the most common um, situation we, we get involved in. But there was one that was, uh, you know, quite, quite interesting uh, that uh, I came across. And that was, and this is quite more common than I actually, uh, you know, probably realised before. But in your HMO situation, okay, when you've got, multiple people in a property it's not just a two-way thing there it's not just a relationship between a landlord and a tenant there are other people involved and you end up with a situation where you've got a tenant and that tenant may 
even be paying their rent. But they're in a situation where they are winding everybody else up in the in 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 the in the house. If not worse than that, those people feeling unsafe and un uh, uh, you know and not secure in their own property, and you have a an issue, especially during the lockdown, when you have people forced to live with these people in an environment that they felt that was either unsafe or whatever. And we had one case there where it was actually um, that this tenant was actually the, uh, the only one paying the rent. And the other tenants who were living in the property were refusing to pay the rent because they didn't want to live with this guy. So you, uh, so it was, it was a, 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 a one I think Julie did, and uh, she spent a lot of time, kind of like to and fro in between the parties, uh, to just to get that tenant who was being antisocial to see that he was this wasn't the way to live, and it and the, and the irony it wasn't kind of like that he was uh, violent or anything else. It was just he just didn't seem to get in his head that coming in at four o'clock in the morning and putting his music on loud. Was 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 going to upset everybody in the in the uh, in the house? Uh, you know, he paid his rent and 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 he, he did this, and then he wondered why the the landlord wanted him out of the property because he's it, it just had to be explained to him, and so they came to a deal on that, and he actually decided in the end that he would move out and find a place which was a little bit more uh, you know private for him to get on and do what he wanted to do without being antisocial and upsetting everybody else so that was a win-win for everybody you know so the, the landlord got a vacant room for, to put a tenant that was going to live mm. harmoniously with the other tenants and this guy moved on to another another property yeah. good outcome good outcome yep. and sean we've obviously in recent weeks developed our own plans uh, with you guys around uh, landlord redress. Do you want to just maybe touch on uh, a, a little bit of, of that and let the audience know what we're doing? Well, I mean, we opened this, uh, this dialogue uh, many moons ago, many months ago, uh, again, when the, when the government made the announcement that as part of their rental renters reform, that they were going to bring in landlord redress. Now, we know that we've had the agent redress, we know we've had the tenancy deposit uh, protection but we've had a massive uh, gap of redress where um, landlords manage their own properties um, and uh, are essentially the uh, the property managers of the uh, you know of that they have all their obligations and the tenants have all their obligations but there's no dispute mechanism apart from court to actually deal with this so we spent a lot of time, uh, both of us speaking to government and, you know, telling them, you know, the pitfalls and everything else there. And they still haven't come out with this white paper. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in internal bets now. I, 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 I thought maybe they might announce it to be just before Easter. I'm, that's getting a bit kind of like uh, short now. Hopefully it will be before the end of spring, whenever that is deemed to be there, but we're not going to see anything for a while in terms of legislative change. So we sat down and said, well, actually, we need to do what we did way back when <clears throat> with the deposit schemes, when they mooted the idea of the deposit schemes. The then N NLA and RLA uh, got together with other organisations and they said, well, 
we all put together an idea of how we think this will work. Um, there was already one voluntary scheme out there that was wor uh, working there, and and we sat down with the NL NLA at the time and said, well, actually, is how can we make this work? So pretty much put together a blueprint, a trial or, or, on how deposit protection would work. So when the government came to um, legislate, they had something which had actually been proven in the field. It wasn't starting from a blank piece of paper. It had been tested and the, the, uh, uh, the unforeseen consequences had on the whole been ironed out. So what we've decided to do is to run this trial uh, with the good members of the uh, NR, NR, NRLA. Okay. Your teeth in, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 uh, uh, the largest landlord association in the Western world, I think. Now, if you get to a hundred thousand uh, landlords in the next couple of months, Ben, I, I don't know. I think that might be a world record. You know? oh, that's that's the aim. Long uh, long may yeah. it continue yeah. on the. On I, the I, I don't know if that international landlord uh, <laughs> uh, conference is going on there, but I don't think any of them are in, on the same scale of, of what you've achieved uh, with your members. So we've got the trial running at the moment. Um, we've had a very good take up. Um, so much so that uh, um, we are extending the uh, uh, the offer to uh, the free offer. So the NRLA and us are going to offer this to you free. We've got the TDS as a um, uh, involved as well. So you've got kind of like the best of three really good organisations behind it. It is free. What is there not to like on this? Yes, nobody likes being a guinea pig, but this is probably going to be the most important work an individual uh, member of the NRLA can do in influencing the legislative programme ongoing. It will be a directly a result. It won't be just sitting waiting to be inflicted on it. it you're taking your destiny in your own hands and helping to shape the future. Well, that's certainly how we see it, uh, Sean. But what do, you, what do you say to those landlords who are... Uh, maybe not glass half full in the way that uh, uh, you are and, uh, and and not happy with that sort of direction of travel. Well, we've all we've all sat in those meetings and, you know, we've laid out a vision of how a, a compliant professional organisation, uh, sorry, a, a, a rental sector could actually operate. And then you get that little hand up there and it says, well, it's always the same for us, isn't it? We have to do this. We have to pay that. And in the meantime, there's some guy down the road who's just getting away with it and nobody's enforcing it. So the reality is that we have to also push very, very hard with our friends in the National Trading Standards, the environmental health, local government to say that if you are going to have this regime of professionalism which we all aspire to and believe is going to be the right thing for the future of the industry you also have to have teeth you have to have a penalty for those people who are operating outside of the um uh, uh, the regime i always say to people okay you're not going to trace all of these people because by nature, you know, this, this black market, these criminals operate below the radar. You know, they will always be there. But what you have to do is make 
the environment so hostile that their impact is minimized. And I always say that they only discovered how uh, where a black hole was because you can't see a black hole by nature. There's nothing there, but you can see it by the bright stars that are around it. And once you have got that there, the consumer, you know, the, the, the customer out there, the tenant is going to, you know, see that these people are operating uh, um, illegally. It would also make enforcement for um, lo uh, local authorities and the uh, national trading standards far easier to do. So that's my view of it. And why would you not want to be the best in what you do and have something to show that you are the most compliant? Yeah. I mean, at the moment, the enforcement is so poor that it, I think it actually attracts the criminal element because they think, oh, here is an environment where we can practice with impunity because there's no enforcement. And that is a problem because a lot of people get away with it. A lot do, uh, but, but it is getting better. Uh, one of the things that I think that uh, we may well see in the Renters Reform Act is uh, a revision of the uh, the rogue landlord and uh, letting agent database to make that more transparent, to make it probably more kind of uh, uh, similar to the um, Greater London Authority one, which doesn't just put in rent repayment orders and, and HMO license uh, violations, but puts in things like not being a member of a redress scheme, uh, uh, and other things in there so you know uh, you don't really want to be on that list for you know for the, uh, the, the I would I'm going to say minor infringements could have been you know not joining a redress scheme is not a minor infringement but compared to uh, uh, you know the, the the criteria that you have to jump through to get onto the national database which you can't even not even public you know it has to be a, 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 a much more transparent process on that and in terms of enforcement it's also about educating the enforcers because you know I, I sat there and and I thought you know what if, if I wasn't doing what I was doing during lockdown I would have had a field day uh, uh, you know as an enforcement agent going and looking at all the websites and picking all the websites that don't display uh, um, uh, their fees, that don't have a membership of a client money protection uh, um, uh, on there, uh, that aren't member of a redress scheme. Every agent has those and, 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 you know, so many of them are just not compliant that you could just sit there and just say, you, 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 and start issuing these fines out like a, like a, like a traffic warden on speed, you know, so... <laughs> it's not hard to enforce it's just that they don't enforce it because they don't understand how to enforce it and of course uh, sean it's not because there isn't there aren't the regulations there to enforce against it's mm. you know there's plenty of regulations not just on this but on a whole range of other matters right so this this industry is not an uh, an underregulated industry but it but it certainly is uh, I, I guess under under enforced in 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 that regard and it's it's what I guess undermines the whole argument when it comes to the private rented sector, because you've got landlords that are looking elsewhere and seeing, you know, other landlords getting away with it. And then you've got tenants and, and tenant groups targeting all landlords with the with the same brush. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this this is this is what the operation uh, should be about 
in terms of a professionalization of a, of a sector is, is leveling the playing field but making it easy to comply with okay if something is so complicated that you are never going to, to be able to understand it, you, you're not going to, it's not going to work, you know, and we have seen some of the legislation there that is, I wouldn't say bonkers, but kind of hasn't really been thought out. I mean, I'll give an example uh, with, uh, you, you know, the smoke alarm and, uh, and, and, you know, carbon monoxide uh, measurements. Mm. I mean, at one stage, you know, unless you were, you know, you were, you know, had a bonfire in the middle of your, you know your living room you didn't have to comply i mean you know how long has it taken them to just work out just anything that kind of can, can produce carbon monoxide should have a carbon monoxide filter or, or just say make it mandatory to have to have one regardless of what your, your heating process is you know so you know you you have those things as the landlord saying well actually we're trying to second guess what the legislation is saying for us and we I didn't also- know because it's changed it's also very convoluted. I mean, the deposit legislation, I mean, it's been amended twice. It's still not perfect. And actually, when you try and read the act, there's so much cross-referencing in it, it's impossible to understand. Well, to be fair, don't start trying to read the act unless you are really into, uh, you know, legal uh, jargon and, you know, you get a thrill out of that. There are people that do enjoy that, Tess. I'm sure that at one stage you well, love looking at a good it, act and a statutory instrument. If you're a lawyer, you have to look at the legislation because that's the source. That's where the rules yeah. are. But if so it's they, incomprehensible, I mean, it's supposed to be for ordinary people to understand. I mean, legislation should be understandable by ordinary people, but it's I, not. I, I think that's I, wrong. I, I, I totally agree. But but that's where we've worked. Both uh, All of our organisations have worked with uh, the government to try and help with guides, try to help with with clear communication of what the law means in practice. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, the NRLA have been particularly good at doing this. I mean, you've won two awards for your communication and 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 and, and um, news uh, uh, media, which is free uh, is a free resource actually for all landlords, not just the members. Plus, you have your training and courses, which. You know, I've I've sat in and actually delivered one deposit, uh, uh, you know, course many moons ago and helped helped uh, um, uh, you know you guys with that. And you know, they are very very simple and uh, straightforward uh, courses. That you know, it's four hours. Uh, you know, I think you can yeah, sit yeah. there and, and it's a four hour course, and you'll walk out of there with a far better knowledge of how the uh, the law works than than you would ever get spending hours and hours trying to ring through statutory instruments and and and, and clauses within a um, within within a piece of legislation or bless even go to going to some lawyer that kind of will charge you an extortionate amount of money to, you know and you'll still oh, be do that. or don't you could go to landlord law and i know i you know as, as i would say all of our organizations uh yeah and and of course land, you know landlord law uh you know it is brilliant i'm you know the amount of uh, uh you know of, of, of insight into what i like about you tessa is that you know you you don't, you don't just kind of just write a boring kind of um, uh, 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 manual. You basically look and say, let's have a look at and explore it. And you're also one of the few people I know out there that, uh, uh, you know, that communicates in a way that I think landlords understand. Mm. 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of my legal brethren tend to use long words, I have to say. Yeah, I think probably we um, we better think about bringing this um, session to an end, enjoyable though it is, because I know Ben's got to go off somewhere and, and have a very important meeting with very important people. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> but Sean, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been insightful, entertaining and, uh, and good fun. And uh, yeah, you're my favourite brother out out of the two. What can I say? Sure. <laughs> you say that to all the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> ben, 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 you you're my favourite CEO of the of of the world's largest landlord association. So there you go. And Tessa, you're 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 the best. You know, so keep doing what you're doing because I think uh, you know that is what landlords need. Uh, you know when. They've got other things on their minds than, than, than uh, you know, than sitting there and going through legislation. We'll take the heavy lifting and try and communicate in that in the best way that we can for you. OK, right. Well, we will be back. Um, and um, thank you, Sean. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Well, Ben, that was that was great fun, wasn't it? What a nice guy Sean is. Yeah, he's a he's a lovely guy, uh, Sean. Um, but also, you know, um, a, a veteran when it comes uh, to this industry. I I, I couldn't believe that he uh, he that TDP had been going for fifteen years, and this is somebody that spent a long time in it. So yeah, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of experience, you know, across the sector both from landlords, tenants and, and, and an agency point of view. And, and, that, and that came across. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how they're, how they're doing their disputes and the types of disputes that they're looking at. But it's also very interesting to see the sort of wider role that uh, mediation, conciliation and the appeal that it could and should have may well fit into sort of future, future changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think mediation is underused. Um... And, uh, and, and I think the redress scheme is brilliant because, I mean, isn't it unfair if a tenant rents a property through an agent, they've got redress. If they, if they rent it directly from a landlord, they haven't got redress. I mean, that's got to be unfair, hasn't it? It, it has. And yeah, I'm frankly surprised it's taken uh, so long for the, for the government to get on and, and uh, iron out that discrepancy. And that is one of the reasons why uh, we have, in partnership with PRS and TDS, decided to do our own pilot to try and work out precisely what works and what doesn't, because obviously it's a slightly different beast to agent redress. Landlords can complain about their agent, uh, um, mm. but so landlord redress will be different. And, you know, it's, it's important that we have a, a model that works for everybody in the, in the sector. And that's what we're trying to do with, uh, you know, identifying these things through our pilot. So, yeah. I mean, what I'd say to landlords who feel uneasy about it is that it's a lot cheaper for you if you can resolve a dispute early because it's very expensive and time consuming to go through the courts. And, um, you know, if you if you resolve things quickly, there's less unpleasantness and stress because going to court is incredibly stressful. I mean, I know because I did eviction work for years. <laughs> I felt stressed out by it. No, it's, it's, no, it's no, no fun for anyone, is it? Uh, let's, let's be honest. And the reality is, Tessa, that, you know, government have committed to bringing in uh, a redress scheme for uh, tenants that rent directly to landlords. So, you know, whether it's this year, next year or the year after, it's coming and the pilot is a good way for, for landlords yeah. to get acclimatised with it. Absolutely. 
so that's this month so uh we've got uh, we've got another talk another podcast with someone else next month so, i think we're uh, talking universal credit if we my might be uh, talking universal credit i think we are talking universal credit so uh, something to look forward to because that's another area that, that is another uh, area. uh yeah a whole different ball game frankly um that that if you are a, a landlord that, that is renting to people on universal credit, I think there'll be a lot of interest in this particular podcast. Yeah. I think we've got a, a chap called Bill Irvine uh, yeah. coming along who's well known uh, on this particular topic. So it promises to be an interesting chap. Promise to be a, a, a really interesting chap. So thanks, great thanks to uh, Sean Hooker, our guest today. And uh, we will see you again soon. See you soon.